Hey, everybody! It is Yasser! I forgot my line. I'm just kidding. It's Isaiah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We are from my brother Sneaker, and we've got a little announcement. We are teaming up with a podcast app called Spoke to give you three exclusive uh, episodes. Uh, Spoke is a new audio platform made by SiriusXM that creates podcast playlists to help you find new shows to listen to. The Spoke team handpicks the best moment from a ton of podcasts and creates playlist clips from a bunch of shows. And you can just search and try them out and find anything that you love. For instance... Oh, yeah. There's a playlist on there uh, called Slice of Life, which is all about like crazy and incredible things that happen to everyday people. Like, I just learned this, bro. I just learned some people pay their bills on time, dog. Oh, is that a thing? Dog, people will have a bill due date, and they will pay that bill before then. That's crazy to me. Before then. You know what else is crazy? What? Spook also has a, a lot of fun, exclusive content from Feral Audio. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, like our tournament episodes are going to be, oh, like, yeah. you know, there's going to be stuff like Sleep With Me, a lot of our, our other great shows here at Feral. You don't want to miss it. Yep. Download Spoke now. It's free in the App Store or on Google Play. And be sure to check out all of my brother's sneakers exclusive Spoke episodes at hearspoke.com slash my brother's sneakers. Model boys, cute boys, round butt boys all day. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again, break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get it. I 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. Feral Audio. Hello and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. I'm kind of talking quietly because my my baby's sleeping and I'm in the living room. Um, Anyway, if uh, you haven't listened to Conversations with Matt Dwyer before, it is, uh, I've been having these, I brought the show back, I've been having conversations with uh, experts and journalists and artists and activists about the world that's going on since Trump has been president. I've talked to Mark Rudd from the Weather Underground, uh, great journalist uh, Henry S. James, or James S. Henry, sorry. <laughs> There's also the musician, Harry James. Uh, so I get confused. Um, but uh, he wrote a great piece about Russia and Trump's connection. So, you know, and today is uh, the great Doug Mesner, a.k.a. Lucian Graves, or Greaves, um, who is with the Satanic Temple, and uh, he is an activist and very against the theocracy and and a lot of the moves the Christian right makes to uh, to, you know, 
when they make religious right arguments, they're only talking about Christianity, not about other religions. And Mr. Uh, Doug Mesner um, kind of screws with them, and uh, he uses very theatrical and uh, humorous ways of protest. Like, if you remember, uh, there was the pink mass that he held over um, <clears throat> the Westboro, Westboro Baptist Church guy's uh, grandmother or mother's grave, turning her gay in the afterlife, and this caused a huge stir. And uh, it was great and hilarious, and it was just a total scam on his behalf. Um, he, Doug is an incredibly intelligent and his I just love having conversations with him. I, I think this is his fourth time on the show, maybe the fifth. Uh, but uh, yeah. And speaking of us, Borough Baptist Church, this is an interesting thing I thought of. Um, I, I guess there was a bunch of hubbub this week because of the Milo Greek guy, who's the Breitbart alt right guy, was on the Bill Maher show. And my thing is, is, and I, th I think this is about the Westboro Baptist Church, like, if we didn't give these people attention, they would go the fuck away. But we're stoking the flame. Like, we built Trump. We gave, we just kept being like, because people were astounded by and aghast by the things he said and what he did. And we just gave him free press. And he that sort of helped him build his base. Westboro Baptist Church, I used to think, when I first started hearing about them, I thought this was like thousands of people protesting. And they're a really small church. There's like, I think, 25 people in that group. And it's like two families. But they get so much press, it's like it feeds them. If they didn't get the press, they probably would stop and no one would know of them and they would go away. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like that way with Milo. What's his name? It's sort of like he has his shitty bass. It's like a, a shitty indie band. And, you know, he has his groupies and followers, but, you know, nobody outside of that world knows him. But then somebody fucks up and gives him a major label deal and then ev suddenly everybody hears about him, and even if he sucks, he still gets a bigger following. So, just keep the guy fucking quiet. Don't put him on national television or HBO, and he he will just keep his... Sh he won't grow a bigger base, but we're giving this... We give... And this was my concern after the election, is that we are... Everyone was all crazy about the alt-right, and I'm like, well, stop. If we keep... We'll, we're helping them build if we give them too much press. It's like, yes, we should be alarmed by them, but we know they exist. I knew they existed. I don't need them on my fucking TV every two seconds. I knew they were there, but that's how I think. That's that's my take on that. And the other thing is, too, and it's like uh, Donnie Orangey45 said the other day, I don't, just the lies. And I know it's like it's important to be aware of what he's saying because it is very dangerous but it's also it's i think a lot of it's deflection man it just like stay on russia i feel like he's just keeping us away from russia that's my take it's just that's i think it's distraction though i do think he's like legitimately trying to weaken the judicial system journalism and you know he's there's a there's a there's a pull there towards the dictatorship i fully i think they're inching towards it and they're quickly the quicker more quickly than we want to admit uh real quick if you can if you have, please go to itunes and review the show positively write something give it five stars or however many stars they're the best the biggest stars uh 
the bigly stars um because that helps me and tell your friends about it and follow me on twitter matt underscore dwyer twitter or the mattdwyer.com is my website um and that is all I want to say for now. Let's uh, now. When I get into this conversation with Doug Mesner, I, he you know he started the uh, Satanic Temple, and we talk about this in the interview. But people always are like, "Ooh, Satan!" and it's scary. Just uh, Satan isn't scary because he's fictional. <laughs> and uh, just oh, and uh, sometimes I have a little bit of an audio problem because it's a phone interview. But uh, stay in there because Doug is. It's not bad, the the audio, but Doug is so intelligent and has so much to say that I really think you're going to want to listen. So uh, here we go, our conversation with Doug Mesner. This isn't fair to say that you're an activist, activist against, not Christianity, but like re- the religious right and what they've... Then, uh... Yeah, well, certainly we're we're always going to be activists against autocracy and and theocracy, and there's just no denying that he's assembled a whole cabinet of theocrats. Uh, people like Mike Pence were were uh, were problematic for us. Uh, people we were paying amongst the people we were paying attention to before this administration came into place. Um, a funny little story uh, in Oklahoma when the Ten Commandments monument was an issue there. And uh, yeah, I'm sure we talked about this previously. We uh, offered a monument of our own, a satanic monument, to be put up alongside the Ten Commandments monument. And the thinking was that the Oklahoma government couldn't say no to a private donation to the satanic monument because they had made this argument that the Ten Commandments monument on the Capitol grounds wasn't a violation of the establishment clause because it was a private donation in an area that they then uh, essentially opened up to be understood as a free speech open forum. And the government has to remain neutral on what's appropriate expressions of religion or, uh, or political expression in such an open forum. That's, that's First Amendment rights. So in any case, uh, that battle kind of raged on, and we uh, we contrived our argument for putting our satanic monument up to uh, very much match the uh, the justifications for the Ten Commandments monument. We talked about the kind of legal precedent that would allow for this, what kind of secular message that uh, was related to United States history that we meant to evoke in all of this. And uh, the attorney general there at the time uh, was was uh, obligated to, um, at his own behest, to defend the, the Ten Commandments monument, given the wording of the bill. It, it, it obligated the, uh, the attorney general to, to waste taxpayer funds to defend this privately donated Ten Commandments monument. So there already you see a kind of conflict of interest. But as Oklahoma uh, refused to, uh, to reply to, to our to our request at certain points while we were trying to push for this, we filed a Freedom of Information Act request for all documentation relating to our request and all uh, internal government emails related to it and that type of thing, all of which is is completely fair game when it comes to Freedom of Information Act requests. From, uh, from the Attorney General's office and, and uh, that I, I believe coordinated the uh, 
the, the documents gathering for our information requests. We only got uh, we only got letters that had been sent to the government from the general public. That is to say, when they when they came through on this documents request, they were apparently telling us that they had had absolutely zero internal dialogue about this monument thing at all, even though it was international news and then and this was a this was a big deal and very controversial over there. We were supposed to believe that this that this document request was 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 fulfilled by only these kinds of public messages. So we felt that if we were going to go to court to this about this, obviously in the discovery process we would find that they had lied about these documents and that there were absolutely plenty others within the government. And we, we had every reason to believe that uh, there was going to be some kind of damning communications about specifically speaking about how they can keep the satanic monument out to the benefit of the of the Ten Commandments monument. Well, in any case, it didn't come to that point where we go to trial because the state Supreme Court in Oklahoma determined that the, uh, that the Ten Commandments monument violated prohibitions against that kind of church-state intermingling, and they, they deemed the Ten Commandments monument illegal and it needed to come down. And we only wanted our monument of the Ten Commandments monument there, so we withdrew our bid. The Attorney General in Oklahoma did not understand this, this, uh, this basic principle of the separation of church and state. And once the, uh, once the Oklahoma Supreme Court ruled against the Ten Commandments monument, he sought to change the state constitution. He wanted to put it up to a vote to change the state constitution to then allow for the Ten Commandments monument to go up. Now, you have to keep in mind this state nearly bankrupt. They, 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 they have school districts there that can't afford to keep school open five days a week. And their fucking attorney generals worried, um, above all things, about keeping the Ten Commandments monument up and putting it to a vote to change the state constitution without realizing that would also be a waste of taxpayer money because you can change your state constitution. It's still not going to pass muster with federal law, and it will end up coming down to the Supreme Court later on. Anyways, uh, the, to, uh, to wrap that story up, uh, this failed attorney general, this moron who absolutely did not understand his job, was completely incompetent and, 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 and wasteful at that. He just got confirmed yesterday, yesterday to be the head of the EPA in the Trump administration. And that one, he's, that one kind of fell under the radar, I think, for most people, Scott Pruitt becoming the head of the EPA, because the rest of the cabinet is so fucking bad as well that he's just another, he's just another name on the, on the roster. I mean, it, this, is, this is so ridiculously, uncommonly bad, the, this administration has put together that I, I think it, it, it falls outside of the boundaries of, of anything we can consider uh, normal or, or even disagreeable before. This is a whole new realm. Uh, there's every day the news brings some forth some other horrific revelation of what's going on in this administration. Uh, I think the betting has gotten, I read recently, there's, there's betting pools, you know, and, 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 there's being serious odds placed on, on uh, resignation or impeachment before the end of the of this of this term, and people are pe- placing odds on, on out of office uh, 
uh, whether it's in the first year, second year, third year, fourth year, and the odds related to each. So it's really, <laughs> really, it's really an interesting time, if nothing else. Yeah, somebody's pointing out to me that it's like if there's Vegas odds, those people don't fuck with money. You know that those odds are probably correct or close to being correct because they don't fuck around <laughs> with with that. And that's an interesting point. Did you did you see this this shift to the right? And it's an extreme shift. Did you see this coming at all? It's been there. I you know. I, I hate to say it, but in some ways, it, it makes me happy to, to see that other people are forced to look this in the face. Because, uh, and, and you can see the shift in attitude the very night the election results were coming in. And and there was a whole new attitude just in the way that people thought about the Satanic Temple as soon as those as those results were coming in. Because we've we've always suffered from this general public perception that. Uh, that we're just a prank, and we don't mind uh, we don't mind being pranksters by any means. But a lot of times, people view uh, pranksterism and uh, and uses of humor as, as delegitimized to an organization such as ours. You know, the idea that we don't have true beliefs that this is all a big big joke to us, or that our deeply held beliefs, I guess, are a matter of convenience, and that uh, the, I don't know, humor and, and and mockery are the great overriding. Uh, overriding drives to what we to what we do, um, and I think had, had Hillary been elected, uh, you know, so in, in a lot of people's minds, see this kind of benign organization. But I mean, as, as soon as the results were coming in, and it was obvious that uh, that Trump would take the election, that was one time where uh, exogenous forces really drove a a spike in our membership i mean it it just it just dramatically increased by like a hundredfold for for some some time you know and, and hasn't hasn't leveled back down since uh people instantly instantly felt the terror i think and then this fight against theocrat seemed altogether too real and it was it, was something, as I said, I, I always took seriously and always thought was a was a very distinct and troubling problem. Uh, doing what I'm doing, I've been following this kind of uh, push by church groups to plant politicians in the public office and fighting the kind of fights we do, um, even though we approach them in a humorous way. It's always distressed me that we had to fight them at all, and I've, I've been in great fear for or the American Republic for some time now due to the preponderance of, of politicians coming into office now whose first loyalty is to their, is to their uh, tribal religious identity uh, rather, than, rather than any constitutional values. And the constitutional values they seek to, to revise, rewrite entirely, and pretend, pretend that it's always been that way. This real drive to put a, an American theocracy in place. Uh, this was this this I, I can only hope things have brought to a head now um, that it's so so bald and unconcealed now that that something will, will have to be done. But I, I was terrified when I felt this more insidious. Do you 
do you feel that because I don't believe that the majority of America wants this and believe wants theocracy or is even that Christian? I know there's pockets that are especially in the South that are very uber religious, but I feel like overall that is not what people want, and I feel like this administration is making a lot of policies that nobody voted for or want. Do you agree to that? I agree to that, and further, uh, it may sound counterintuitive. But that's one thing, actually, that makes me hopeful in all of this. Uh, and as I said, now now people are forced to confront the, the theocratic designs of a lot of these people in office. I think a lot of people who identify as Christian now are forced to uh, look at the differences between the, the kind of uh, sectarian divide that they've more or less ignored and, and kind of upheld a unified voice of the, the Christian agenda. Um, you know, you have really extreme fundamentalist evangelical uh, sects just claiming the name of American Christendom, and they they go forward uh, under the notion that they speak for all of the religious identification of Christianity. And the pew polls come around and say, oh, some 70% are Christian. They, they like to leverage that and say, well, this is exactly what's in align, alignment with our own agenda. And at the National Prayer Breakfast, breakfast, Donald Trump was talking about repealing the Johnson Amendment. And the Johnson Amendment uh, specifically prohibits church organizations from engaging in politics one way or the other. They're not allowed to uh, directly or indirectly try to influence the outcome of, of an election by, uh, by shilling for a candidate or against another. And... Um, they, they, uh, it's been pointed out that they violate this all the time by, by talking at the pulpit in favor or against a certain candidate. And, uh, and, and nothing really comes of that. Um, but what repealing the Johnson Amendment will do will make it uh, available for these nonprofits. And a religious nonprofit doesn't even have to file a tax return at the end of the year. So it's invisible money. And they'll be able to funnel money into political campaigns now. And I think, you know, Trump is smelling that money and wants to repeal the Johnson Amendment. But I honestly think that that will have a very divisive effect on American Christianity. And, and, and might, this administration might be the ruination of American Christian identification, or at least the, the evangelical. And, and I say that because you, you take say Catholics, a recent Pew poll showed actually that they're evenly divided about between Republicans and Democrats. And if you repeal the Johnson Amendment and you have, say, you know, large funders funneling money through, which essentially just becomes dark money, it's laundered money that's to go into political campaign, and say they get a cut of that money and it goes to be funneled into a political campaign. Well, it's going to become very divisive to to accept that kind of that kind of structure one way or the other amongst the base. But then again, you know, if those are the churches that are getting the largest amounts of funding, it's it's difficult to say no to that kind of thing. And I think there's a lot of people who identify as Christians probably go to the churches, evangelical ones, and they still hold the delusion that they can they can keep it separated. You know, this isn't a political this isn't a political thing. This is supposedly a spiritual thing. And, and despite the strong feelings of some of the people in their congregation, 
you know, at the end of the day, they're just all Christian. Well, now I think with the repeal of the Johnson Amendment, that will really kind of force the hands of these religious organizations to engage in politics. And as that happens, I think people attending the churches, uh, feeling they're doing so for spiritual reasons, are going to have to reassess everything and ask themselves, how is there anything spiritual about this? How is there anything of religion? This is all political opportunism, and now this is all just a big money ploy, and it becomes like the, the corporatized church. And I feel that it, I, I just I just can't help but think that this isn't going to work out well even for evangelicals by the very end. Perhaps that's very hopeful of me, but it, it's all I can do is try to see <laughs> try to see the bright side. Yeah, because part of me is like, I would love it if people started questioning that, but I'm also like, w- will they? Because I, I, I just, I don't feel like there's a lot of critical thought anymore in our society. I feel like that's been pushed down. Yeah, well, maybe it's that, or maybe the ones who are lacking in critical thought have really had to, to pull themselves up to the surface more so than it's <laughs> time. I mean, do you too? I mean, you take a guy like Mike Pence. I, I think I think his points of view are, are really quite extremist and radical. I mean, he is a, a Christianist in the way you would call uh, Islamic radical and Islamic. He's very much a uh, a Christian looking to impose his religious perspective uh, in a very political fashion. He's wanting to remodel American law based on his, his theocratic meaning. And and I don't think he is indicative of the majority population by any stretch of the imagination. And, and I think, you know, the, the further they push it, the more they do force people to confront those differences in values. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I look at him and I'm, I think, you're not even a Christian. Like, you're just a guy with some fucked up agenda and you're using your the umbrella of christianity to to present it because you don't act like a christian you're a hateful prick <laughs> right right well you know this this brings up all kinds of bizarre questions that i'm forced to think about because it's it's funny to me uh i mean we we fight on on a minimal budget and, and throw our lives into it you know to fight for what we really believe in and we utilize humor sometimes so people think that's delegitimizing and and, and it does irritate me when uh, once we get this kind of shitty commentary. Well, they're not really or whatever else. And those are those are fine things. That, you know, that that's fine to suspect and say. But uh, it, it always troubles me that people seem to lack the ability to turn that around to the more established organizations like Liberty Council, the Alliance Defense Fund, and, and begin asking themselves, wait a minute, all right, is if the satanic temple isn't a religion, just a political group, uh, how are some of these so-called Christian groups any different at all? And and I would be fine with people uh, questioning our legitimacy if they were able to uh, to to bring the question around and look at the the parties we're we're up against. But yeah, as you say, uh, there's a there's a, that good question about what does it mean to be a Christian at this point, when you do have these kinds of hateful pricks going around, and they're not tying their agenda to any any scriptural fiat that you can find. That was a big question about, like, Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby was leveraging the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to say that they don't have to pay 
health benefits to uh, to healthcare packages that that cover certain types of contraceptives. Now, where in the Bible are you going to find anything related to companies paying health insurance that provide contraception? And and where do you really find a, a, anything about contraception in the Bible anyway? This whole idea of, of them standing up for their deeply held beliefs, like, well, where do these deeply held beliefs come from? And what do they have to do with Christianity? And, and is this really something that's religious at all? Or is it just some atavistic drive? Or can we consider it religious merely because uh, you're, you're part of this little tribal culture and it's part of your identity that you fight against? Certainly, the Satanic Temple is every bit of religion then as well. Yeah. And a lot of things that the Satanic Temple provides is to sort of defend against some of these moves that the Christian right has made. Like, I, I, don't you uh, have a, 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 a statement that uh, you believe that your religion believes in abortion? Well, we believe in, in people being able to make that choice, you know, and of course we, we came out in defense of uh, the, the freedom of choice for abortion as, as tying in with our, our tenet that, uh, that uh, gives people their, their bodily autonomy, have that kind of individual choice and to be able to make uh, one's decision based on the best available scientific evidence. And we, we do tie those in with our, with our most uh, uh, deeply held tenets. Of course, some of the Christian practical life sites and things like that uh, contextualize it to say that the Satanic Temple views abortion as a sacrament and tries to build it up like we prefer abortion over life birth, which is just bullshit. But we, we actually have uh, lawsuits being carried out now in Missouri against some of the restrictions against abortion that they have. Because in Missouri, they have these what they call informed consent rules and they uh they have a 72 hour waiting period so while there's only one clinic in all of missouri that performs abortions so a woman might have to travel up to six hours or whatever they're expected to come into the clinic one day uh get these materials that uh, that explain to them you know it's this government mandated literature that explains to them that life conception and that by having an abortion, they're essentially committing the murder of an individual human being. And uh, then 72 hours later, she's allowed to have that procedure. So she might have to travel, you know, six, seven hours, come to that clinic, and then not be able to have the procedure until three days later and come back. You know, so for some people, taking that time off of work and childcare or whatever just doesn't work, and, and then they can't, they can't have the procedure. That, that, that was the plan. Uh, all along, make it as difficult as possible to to hopefully stop abortions from taking place. Well, our argument was, is that this idea that life begins at conception is without a doubt a religious opinion. That's something you can't elevate the scientific fact, and and that we're of a different opinion. Life doesn't begin at conception. Uh, You can only consider something individual human when it has higher cognitive function, doesn't have... uh, uh, merely sensation but perception you know you, you have to have these kinds of uh, uh this kind of neurological developments and and so anything search certainly above uh before 20 weeks can't be considered uh a, a unique individual human being by by our point of view and it's up to the law 
point whether she wants to uh, wants to abort or not. And so uh, we had a member in Missouri. She was seeking an abortion. Um, we had her fill out an exemption to our waiting period. Brought to the clinic. They said they couldn't honor it due to state law. So we we filed two lawsuits, a federal and state lawsuit against Missouri, and those are those are in the process of being litigated right now. And of course, we don't know the outcome. We and our lawyers think we have a very solid argument, of course, um, but but we'll see. You know, we we, we just don't know. I mean, doesn't it seem like a a great loophole for uh, pretty much anything that these people that the right makes laws about is just be like apply yourself to a religion like you, you, the satanic temple and and then you they they can't deny you if it's part of your religion i mean isn't that a logical argument that combats these idiots well yeah and they they never seem to even to this day they don't seem to consider that another organization might come around when they strengthen religious liberty um it's obvious that when the politicians are considering religious liberty, they're, they're only thinking of the loudmouth evangelicals and the, the lobbyists on the Christian right who come their way, and that they need to, uh, you know, that they need to more loosely define religious freedom and, and allow more privileges and exemptions towards them. But yeah, uh, absolutely, we're saying that, okay, well, if it works one way, it works the other as well. And if you're putting together legislation based on your religious point of view, something you can't elevate to a scientific absolute, and that we do know falls under the purview of religious opinion, our religious opinion is is entirely protected, and uh, we should be able to claim exemption from any of these impositions of another religious point of view upon us. And, uh, I mean, it's... uh, it's a basic and straightforward argument, and it's, it's solid. Um, it falls very much within what uh, religious liberty is actually supposed to mean. But uh, we do live in a, a scary time now where, you know, just because we have solid legal arguments doesn't mean they'll be uh, respected in a court, uh, in a judiciary populated by, say, Trump nominees. Yeah, I mean, it seems like they are quickly destroying everything that is protects our government. And the, I mean, he's 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 shit talked the judicial system. He's he's trying to dismantle the intelligence community. He's he's weakening the media. <laughs> it's and it's to, for people who are like, oh, he's he's not he's not a fascist. It's like these are clear actions towards. Creating a, 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 a I can't say it, authoritarian government. Don't you agree? Yeah, I do. And one of the most troubling things about me is all this talk about the spiraling, uh, out of control violence we're suffering. It's not true. In in, in 2015, we saw crime go up, but the overall trends is has been downward for some time now. And, you know, the, the, uh, the graphs, they'll, they'll go back and forth, you know, and, and you, you don't know if there's a trend still till much later on. You, you only know that retrospectively, right? 
and the the uptick in violence in 2015 well, certainly was a kind of outlier out of the ordinary. This is well beyond you know the standard kind of fluctuations in statistics. It's just it's it it looks quite normal at this point. But this has been leveraged in this idea that we're spiraling out of control and that we need uh, we need uh, severe action to take place. And, and I think, uh, you know, when people are using that kind of rhetoric, their, their designs are, are obvious. You, you, can, you don't have emergency powers unless you have an emergency. You know, you, you don't take drastic action unless you, these are drastic times. And so, you know, we're, 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 we're building this notion that, that, that the crime is spiraling out of control, and I feel like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, uh, you, you have people buying into it, you have people acting, acting up, and, and then you have these kinds of protests like at, at Berkeley where, where people get all pissed off, light things on fire, pepper spray people in the faces like, like savage little assholes. And, and the, the upshot of that is nothing more than uh, you're, you're, you're justifying uh, after the facts, uh, an increase in police presence and, and uh, in, in other in other uh, other difficult little problems like that, and, and I think that that's the real spiral out of control. We'll see that not that violence naturally on its own is spiraling out of control, but I think this idea of it spiraling out of control and everybody acting in a manner because of that is is going to have a very very terrible very terrible effect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm all for protest, but I'm for protest that has uh, an actual goal in mind. If your goal is just to go out there and, and destroy shit and light stuff on fire because you don't want somebody to speak, even though they're, they're going to have, you, you know, even though this is the internet age, <laughs> the television age, and uh, I think you're, you're really working backwards. Do, do you believe at all that because there was there was rumblings uh, and rumors about the the protests in Berkeley that the people that committed the violence uh, may have been be from Breitbart or even from uh, Milo. What's his Greek's name? Uh, <laughs> I can I can never. But that that maybe that was part of his act because he's definitely a guy who likes to sensationalize and stir the pot, and it's. Though protest, like I mean, that happened in the '68 convention where there were Chicago police within the protests that started violence. Do you think that is at all something that happened in Berkeley, or are they just a bunch of shit shitheads causing trouble? Uh, they're a bunch of shitheads causing trouble. I'm convinced because you have uh, you have no shortage of people willing to take the the credit for that. And and those those people, the whole Antifa group and things like that, they, they've been, they've been around for a little while now and they, they've been this stupid. They've been this stupid all along, but you, you have to consider like, what what does that say about them when, when that, when that's considered a strong theory? I mean, when people are saying that, uh, that Breitbart or some other right wing faction actually hired them to do that. I mean, that, that should just tell you that it's self evident that what they were doing, was was so counterproductive and, and even beneficial to the enemy that that you know it it sounds reasonable to say that they were they were actually commissioned by the other side 
And I think that when people can't realize how backward that kind of activity is, how that kind of preemptive violence uh, and just that kind of uh, disgusting behavior, I feel I, I was I was just disgusted by that. Uh, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I, it's, it's yeah. disappointing. It's uh, anything that hurts the forward movement of of the positive element of what we're trying to do is is upsetting. And I've spoken at length with Mark Rudd from the Weather Underground, who, which was a, as you know, a, a political group that used violence, and he, he deeply, deeply, deeply regrets what they did in the '60s. And and I mean, he's just you see him speak about it, and he's just you could see the remorse. On, weighing on his body over what they did. And I'm not a pacifist, right? I feel that pacifism can be sometimes a morally bankrupt position. If you're talking things related to, to self-defense or, or other needs to just, just tactically engage in violence for the, the greater good, there is no doubt that at times you, you definitely do need to, to defend yourself and that that you you might need to do so in, in, in direct and and, and horrible, violent action. I, I mean, you, you have to leave yourself open to that, to that possibility. If I walked in, somebody's uh, raping my girlfriend, I'm not going to, you know, to politely ask and try to negotiate for that person to stop. You know, that, that kind of thing just is, doesn't happen. But that said, if you're going to engage in violence and, and destructive activity, I would like to think that that's not the end in itself. But that that in itself isn't the goal of what you're doing, just to create that kind of chaos and engage in that kind of violence. If you're going to do that kind of thing uh, as as a last measure, because that's all you have left, I think you have to have in mind what you want the outcome from that to be. And, and for the life of me, I can't understand what that outcome was they wanted at Berkeley. You know, otherwise you're just hurting people. Yeah, and I, I, I don't get why they don't see that still. It seems like they would maybe be like, hey, we're going to do this positive thing. Okay, that didn't work. Let's rethink. <laughs> like, that's just the logical <laughs> progress. Now, as because you're also, you have a degree in neuroscience from Harvard. Is there, and I don't know, maybe I'm being dumb here, but as a, correct you, that I'm not misspeaking on that, right? You're, uh, you're a neuroscientist? Oh, I, I neither confirm nor deny any of my, I never brought, my, I never brought a record into this. Uh, you know, my education really has nothing to do with what I'm doing now, but, but go ahead and. Oh, I was just curious if you, you look at the psychology of, do you, I mean, Trump's actions, does, do they speak to you in it? Like, I mean, he's obviously, to me, it's like, this is a crazy person and I don't, right? He's crazy. Or do you think that's well, verbally? You know, I I honestly think no. I I do honestly think there's something wrong here. You know, uh, when you have this kind of uh, kind of behavior and this kind of uneducated behavior, uh, it it makes me it makes me wonder if that is that really the way he always was. There was this idea that he was uh, he was a shrewd businessman, if nothing else, and he kind of ran on that platform. Is you know that he's been a successful businessman. And he's going to run. The United States like a business. And then what does he do when he gets into office? He signs an executive order that's uh, poorly hacked out. He doesn't run it through the proper interagency channels. 
he doesn't he doesn't run it through the lawyers so they don't understand what they're even going to be defending when it's thrown immediately into a federal court you know i i was listening to an interview with the executive director of the aclu and he was saying that you know when they were standing up there on the on the uh, travel ban uh, the government lawyers were were completely, you know, caught off guard. They were like deer in the headlight, and they didn't and they didn't know how to argue this. And it made me think that uh, that that's not how a businessman does business. You know, fails to run things through the the proper channels and and fails to have the best people uh, give it the best understanding of of how to make it work. And uh, and obviously, the things he says when he's talking, he doesn't bring a full thought together. In um, just this bizarre kind of grandiose posturing um, during the primaries, I kind of, you know, I think I felt as other people did that perhaps this was all an act. You know, that this was working for him, and he had done this, uh, done this reality TV show host bit for for some time. And that there was there was something more intelligent behind it, but we we are not seeing that intelligence surface in any of the activities going on. And just given those those bizarre those bizarre language issues, the way the way he speaks, I do feel like he should be submitted to some kind of uh, independent medical examination, medical and psychiatric. And I wouldn't be surprised if there is something neurodegenerative going on. And I know it just sounds hysterical when I'm saying these types of things. People used to say these things. People have said these things during every administration, I feel like. You know, Obama came in, the other side saying he's he's a lunatic and he's the Antichrist and that kind of thing. So it almost pains me to, to be saying these things because I feel like I'm just falling in with that kind of crowd. But I honestly feel that. That Trump and this administration is is far far more different than anything we've seen before. Yeah, there's only the, the one thing I question is like how much of it is maybe a calculated performance. I mean, I do think he's unhinged a bit, but it's also they're so fucking manipulative, and I feel like that since day one of that he's taken office, they've just set fire after fire, and they just keep people scrambling. And it's like that press rehearsal the other press conference the other day was uh, uh, clearly a disaster. But I'm also like, well, he he once again has strayed everybody away from Russia. Or actually, I think that backfired a bit because it does does seem to just keep hovering. But it gets people confused and worked up, and it's it's a constant distraction with them. And I'm like, maybe this is a calculated act. Do you, do you see that side at all? I don't. I don't know. I, I. I think everybody's looking to see what the grand design is here. And, and for me, I'm, I'm seeing less and less design as it goes on. Um, he might be distracting from Russia to a certain degree, but he's not really distracting with anything that takes the uh, that takes the critical scrutiny off of him or his administration. <laughs> you know, I mean, if it were Bill Clinton, he would go in. Uh, go and bomb some third world country. Um, if it's Donald Trump, you know, we're just seeing uh, more of the administration entirely falling apart. And I think what's, what the administration really seems to be suffering from is just a lack of coherence altogether. 
But I mean, we'll we'll see. And, and I just have to wonder where I stand on that. Do I am I horrified to the point where I want to see somebody come in and pull the administration together, or am I more afraid of somebody doing that and and helping it sustain for a full four to eight years? Yeah, I I and I mean. It, there's all these things I read about where people are like saying that the Republicans know what's happening and they're just waiting. They're using him as a decoy so they can get their agenda through and then they're going to they're going to be the ones who pull the plug. And I've heard that from like guys like Robert Reich saying he's had conversations with congressmen. It's not like conspiracy, but it seems like, well, that can fucking backfire if you wait too long. Like It just seems like a, the Republicans are people need to act on this now or it could be too late like what if a terrorist attack happens or a threat and then they have you know their reichstag fire and it seems like then they can they'll get more of the power that they want i hope that wasn't too bad <laughs> i feel like i just babbled at you a little bit well i mean talk about too late i mean look at uh, i mean back to the epa pick i mean the, the guy's a climate change denier and we are at a point right now where there is just we're way past due to take some serious extreme action to try to to try to beat back the uh, the rapidly fluctuating temperature or else we're fucked. And, and this was no time to have this level of stupidity in office. And I mean, as a matter of preservation of, of humanity, we have to consider what this means for uh, appointing world leaders in the future. Do we have some kind of test for people to see that they have some kind of understanding of issues before they can vote? I mean, what can we do to fix this? And then are we a less democratic society for doing that? But then, you know, well, what's the alternative? An idiot like Trump? I mean, clearly he's unqualified. Do we have qualifications now? Because that seems to be something absolutely lacking where if you just get elected you're considered qualified enough well i think there's certain things trump has done and said that show that he doesn't understand the job he doesn't even understand that the principles he's supposed to be upholding in that job um, when you have these kinds of theocrats who really don't seem to have any respect for the actual constitution um, and and are trying to rewrite uh, american constitutional values and history uh, the, these people shouldn't have the job. If they can't uphold the Constitution, they shouldn't be in, in, in the job. And, and it's odd because, you know, usually they're the ones using that rhetoric. You know, they're the ones who claim to be on the side of, of the Holy Constitution and that kind of thing. But uh, from any kind of dispassionate analysis, they, they, they run absolutely, absolutely contrary to everything we uphold on, on that level. So, yeah, I I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, it's it seems I read this morning that if he hadn't become president, he would have never made been gotten security clearance for the job. <laughs> like if he was just appointed somewhere in a cabinet, people wouldn't have cleared him for secure for security reasons, which is kind of a mind boggling concept. Yeah, yeah, and there's also the. Uh... The, the rumor floating around that intelligence withholds certain information from him because they, they don't trust him to keep it private. Um, I mean, it, 
in in all that's happened, that's just another fucking thing. Uh, Korea was running some kind of missile test, and and he was in a restaurant where there was, I guess, members of the general public and friends of his, and they're pulling out classified documents while people are just walking around the background and things like that. I mean, that that's incompetent at, at such an extreme level that it's just, it, you know, it like I said, it causes you to. To, to question the qualifications uh, of public officials, voting qualifications. <laughs> Hopefully, this causes for a lot of introspection, and that's that's one of the one of the things I worry about is that it just won't. You know, uh, I, I feel like the Democratic Party is so spineless and so worthless, and and is just not not nearly the counterbalance we need. I mean, they're certainly not, not fighting this the way they should. And for as many times as the Russia connection has, has come up, I'm just not seeing that kind of daily screaming that we should be getting for a, a full independent investigation. You know, it, it has its, its 24 to 36 hour uh, news cycle, and then it's it's forgotten all over again until somebody leaks something even more damning about the Russia connection. But the fact that there is there is no real official movement from the Department of Justice or, or anybody else at this point is just beyond disgraceful to me. That's I can't see why there's somebody like Mark Rubio or any other younger guy who has his eye on the. Uh, on the presidency doesn't realize that this is the opportunity where you can make a lot of noise and become a fucking hero. And then you, that's only going to help you like for your selfish motives, which that's how they operate. It's like, how come no one's seeing that this is, that is a political move that they could be making. It confused. Yeah. Me. I don't get it. Cause if you, yeah, you're right. Cause if you go in for the kill and, and it works you're you are, you're, you're a hero forever after because the, you know, the, the people towing the party line, might uh, in the time you're pushing, you know, really push back against you. But at, when it comes to the point where, yeah, you see that these real improprieties have taken place and you can prove it, uh, at, at what point are are the uh, defenders going to completely drop away? Who, who's, who's legitimately going to be uh, defending a foreign influence upon U.S. election affairs? Yeah, because when... when Trump's presidency collapses, and I do think that's coming. Dudes like Ryan and McConnell and Pence are fucked. Like, they fucked themselves because they stood next to this guy and defended him. And it's like, you're not going to be able to wriggle out of this one. Yeah, I should hope not. I, I should. That, that's why I, you know, that's why I really hope somebody somebody pushes it. All the way. I mean, I just worry about it just falling into the background. I, I I worry about people becoming inured to all the scandal. I mean, there's these daily scandals coming out from the administration. I'm just worried that it just becomes part of the ambiance after a point. People look at that. Oh, Trump administration is. It turns out to have ties with some some hostile foreign entity. Whatever. You know, it, it's old news at that point. Yeah. Well, I hope not. Um... To wind to for those of you who, uh, for those in my audience who don't know exactly what the Satanic Temple does, would you mind enlightening us on that and how people may uh, f learn more about your organization and exactly what you're doing? Because you do a lot of great work, and people hear the word Satan, and they a lot of people 
get scared. <laughs> but they don't understand what the concept is, I believe. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we uh, we we have a website, thesatanictemple.com, and we have a, a list of campaigns we're involved in on that website that people can check out. Um, and, you know, we crowdfund for those. So if there's something you're particularly passionate about that we're working on, uh, consider donating to any of those campaigns. Or if you buy any of our T-shirts or merchandise, that goes towards what we're doing as well. Um, you know, we're, we're often just fighting as a counterbalance against uh, a theocratic encroachments. So that's to say when when they open the door for religious expression in schools or anything like that, they need to expect that uh, there's going to be uh, the satanic counterbalance coming in and, and showing people that, you know, we do still live in a country that respects real religious liberty and that the government doesn't decide which religion they prefer over another. And that's often a very bitter pill for, uh, uh, for the evangelical opposition we have to swallow but uh, but I think I think it's a very important message that it has gotten that had gotten lost for some time. Um, so you know, always check out, of course, our our Twitter feed and and our our Facebook page as well for you know daily updates on on what we're doing. But we certainly have a lot of a lot of work to do now and in the near future. Great, um, and they can donate money at at your website as well, correct? If for the yep yep and and uh, you can really be campaign specific about where you want your money to go so <laughs> you agree with one thing like our after school Satan clubs and not another like our reproductive rights lawsuits uh, you know that's taken into consideration if the Johnson Amendment is repealed um, we we we're not a religious tax exempt right now but if the Johnson Amendment is repealed we'll we will absolutely seek our, our religious tax exemption because at that point we'd be insane not to. Right. Well, I thank you so much, Doug. As I think this is the fourth or fifth time you've been on this. I think you hold the record for most times on my podcast, and every time it is beyond enlightening and educational. So I thank you very much for your time. Well, I look forward to next time. <laughs> Let's make it happen soon. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. Also, listen to my other podcast on feralaudio.com, Afterbirth. Uh, I do it with my wife, and we talk about with comedians and, and other artists about uh, being parents and what messes we used to be, and now that we're just still messes, but we have to take care of a life. Uh, that's on uh, Feral Audio as well. And uh, support live podcasting. Power to the people. He's got a witty mind and he goes on stage and he tells his funny jokes. Oh yeah, he tells his funny jokes to all the people. And all the people love to listen to him telling all his funny jokes. Good old Matt Dwyer. Having good conversations with all kinds of people. Of interesting people want to talk to Matt Dwyer, yeah. Matt Dwyer, yeah. Good old Matt Dwyer. He's a brilliant man. He's a dark, dark man. He's a writer, man.
branch of the United States government, it is the mission of the National Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.